You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Welcome to... Influence Church, if this is your first time here, then we are so glad that you are with us and uh, we're excited because September is always our vision month for the last 11 years as a church since we uh, took on the identity of Influence Church 11 years ago. Uh, September has always been a key month for us as a church and many things have happened over the years uh, in this month. Uh, in the next couple of weeks we'll be celebrating in the different locations the birthdays of some of the churches that we've planted over the last few years. So uh, I think it's next week uh, our Penrith location is six years old. The week after that Bishop Auckland is four years old with Pastor Dan and Workington is almost one year old as a church and uh, we are thankful. Banner Castle is 10 years old but we planted it in May so it wasn't a September birthday but uh, uh, we love you Johnny, David and Mary and anybody else from Banner Castle too but uh, we're excited about what God is going to do and speak to us about this month and here's the thing about Vision Month as a church, it's not about new vision because if we were a church that changed our vision annually every September you'd get a very confused church. If we change every time, like, hey, we're living for this vision, but you know, only till you know, August, then we take a break and then we change it in September. That's not the way it works. It's not about new vision, but it is always about an opportunity to have renewed vision and a fresh passion. Renewed in our vision for who God has called us to be, not just corporately as a church, but for every single one of us as individuals. And for us to have a fresh passion in our personal pursuit of God. And it's, it's about, therefore, us as a church, corporately and us as individuals saying, hey God, I'm not living for my pleasure, but I want to live for your purposes. Not my will be done, God, but yours. So often in our prayers, we might not articulate it that way, but the context of some of our prayers sometimes is, God, here's my plans and would you bless them? But a better prayer to pray is, God, how can I be a blessing to your plans? How can I align my life with you so that I can see your kingdom come and your will be done in my life and through my life? And for us, that's what September is, is all about. Us as a church aligning ourselves and saying, God, what more do you want to do in me? And what more do you want to do through me? Just a couple of months ago, uh, back in June, uh, myself and Asher were in Barcelona, and we were there for a couple of days celebrating his 18th birthday and celebrating the completion of his A-level exams, and there were a number of touristy things that we did. Well, everything was touristy that we did. Uh, tried not to be such stereotypical tourists as perhaps the Staley's were in Barcelona this week. I don't know if that's how it worked, but uh, we went around the football stadium, the biggest football stadium in the world in Barcelona, and then we did a number of the other sites, and one of the places that we visited uh, just the periphery of, just the outside, was uh, somewhere that some of you will be familiar with. If you've not been, you'll have probably seen pictures of this cathedral that they have right in the center of Barcelona. This is La Sagrada Familia. This is a Roman Catholic cathedral right in the heart of Barcelona. And it's famous for a number of things. It's famous for its incredible architecture. It's famous for its amazing modern stained glass windows uh, that you can see from the inside on the Staley's pictures, not on our pictures because we didn't pay the money to go on the inside. But one of the things that the Sagrada Familia is famous for is it's taken on the title of the unfinished church. See, construction on this incredible facility started in 18... 
82. Let me get that right. 1882. So for 140 years, they've been building this cathedral. And it's become known as the Unfinished Church. Now, on one hand, I hate that title. On one hand, it's the kind of title that kind of wakes me up with cold sweats in the night. Imagine if we're having a building project here in church and Pastor Rich and myself get up and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to build something new. We're going to decorate the auditorium. Just bear with us for kind of two or three weeks or maybe two or three months or maybe the next few decades or centuries as we redecorate or as we build a new. Imagine a home decoration project. Some of you are perhaps that that DIY inclined of you started a redecoration of your living room. Now you're just going to give it the title, The Unfinished Room. And it's not a glorious title. It's a lazy title that you've adopted to excuse yourself out of your poor DIY skills. Um, and so on one sense, this idea of the unfinished church just kind of gives me the, the shivers of, oh man, imagine a building project that's gone on for 140 years. Awful. But on the other hand, in a spiritual sense, I think there's something really significant about that. And it kind of captures our heart for Vision Month that actually what you see here, now not looking at bricks and mortar, but what you see as us as Influence Church, this is the unfinished church. That we're not saying, hey, this is all polished, everything's finished, we've done all that we need to do. Every single time we gather, we're saying, God, would you do something new in us? Would you do something new through us? You might have done something in the past, but I'm convinced that, God, you're not finished yet, that there is more for us. So as much as we're not announcing any building projects, if we were, we'd get it done in a nice tidy time scale. And so, uh, but this idea of the unfinished church, and if, you're, if you've been part of our church for a while, you'll have heard us say a phrase sometimes that goes something like this, that we are, we honor the past, we're thankful for the present, but we're expectant for the future. And that idea for us captures this idea of that we're not the finished product, that this isn't it, that we're still hungry, that we're still expectant for God to do something more and for God to do something significant in our lives and through our lives as a church. And so that's what Vision Month is about for us. And it's our prayer that this month, there's going to be some great messages and some great opportunities and great daily devotions and there's a new flyers and all these different things. But our prayer this month is not just that we talk about vision. Because talk is cheap. And sermons can come and go and you can listen to podcasts for, for until the cows come home uh, from every other church around the globe. But our prayer this month is not just that we talk about vision, but that each of us gets a fresh idea that God has a vision for our lives. There is not one person in this room excluded from that. That you might not know God yet. You might not even be in a relationship with God. But God knows you. God loves you. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And so it's our prayer that each of us get hold of a fresh God vision for our lives. And when the Apostle Paul wrote to the early church in Ephesus... That was his prayer for them. And there are many things that we take out of the incredible letter that Paul wrote to the church. But one of the first things he said in chapter 1 was saying, hey, I hope that you can get a vision for your life from God. Don't just get consumed with what's going on around you because God wants to do something in your life. Here's what it says, Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 17. Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. 
I think that should be our prayer at the start of this month. God, would you give me a fresh spirit of vision? Would you give me a fresh spirit of wisdom and revelation? Would you open up the eyes of my heart? Would you allow my soul to be enlightened to the fact that you have a plan and purpose for me, that you're not finished with me yet, that I might have been a Christian for 50 years or I might have been a Christian for five minutes. It doesn't matter. You still want to do something fresh in me, God. Why don't we pray that right now? Why don't we jump to our feet and let's pray before we fully get into what we're doing this morning. And let's allow this scripture to become uh, the, the context of our prayer this morning. God, we pray that right now, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit in a fresh way, that your Holy Spirit would come and give us fresh wisdom, give us fresh revelation. God, thank you for what you have done. Lord, we thank you that this room is filled with testimonies of your goodness, of your grace. God, we thank you that we could fill our time this morning with testimonies of healing, of breakthrough, of vision, of of revelation of how you've brought transformation into our lives. But God, for all you have done, Lord, there is more to come, we know. So would you give each one of us fresh eyes? Would you give us spiritual eyes, spiritual ears to hear what it is that you want to say to us this morning? Would you open the eyes of our hearts so that we could be enlightened to know the hope that you have for us, to know the future, the vision, the plans and purposes that you have for our lives, we pray. God, open up more than just, Lord, our ears and our eyes. Help us to open up our hearts to receive something fresh from your word, we pray this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Grab your seats. If this is your first time with us for a vision month, then we are thrilled that you are here. Some of you, maybe it's your first time in church. Some of you have joined the journey of church over the last year, and so it's your first September with us as a church. Let me bring you up to speed slightly on who we are and what we do as a church. Our identity as Influence Church is rooted in the words of Jesus. There's no better place to root your identity and your vision for your life in what Jesus says, that we're not about our plans and purposes. We're about his kingdom and his plans and purposes. And so our vision, our identity as a church has been rooted uh, for many, many years in the words of Jesus from Matthew 5. Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, is the longest recorded sermon of Jesus in all of Scripture. It's filled with essential principles for not just churches, but for every single believer like you and me. And our identity as a church is rooted in the words of Jesus in Matthew 5 verse 14, where he said, you are the light of the world. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. So our identity to be, to be a church that makes a difference, to be an, an influential church means that actually God has placed something inside of us. What God has done in your life, what God has done in my life was not designed to be hidden under a bowl. It wasn't even designed to be hidden in the walls of a church. It was designed to shine so that it can make a difference to the world around us. So our identity as a church is rooted here in the words of Jesus and therefore our, our vision as a church is that each one of us would be empowered by God's Holy Spirit, that we'd be empowered to make a difference in our world for the kingdom of God. That whoever you are, wherever you are, it's our vision that you would be empowered to make a difference in your world. That making a difference in this town, making a difference in this community isn't just the responsibility of somebody on a platform. It's not just the responsibility of the church because you and I are the church. And if it's the church's responsibility to make a difference in the community, then it's my responsibility and it's your responsibility. Not mine as a pastor, but mine as a follower of Christ. Mine as an individual. When Jesus said you were the light of the world, he didn't say it to a certain denomination of churches. He didn't say it even to a gathered congregation. He said it to individual people like you and me. 
He said, I have placed my light in you. Now go and do something with it. Now go and shine so that it makes a difference to the world around you. And so our identity and our vision is rooted in this idea of what Jesus has said. And every September, we gather around a theme as a church to help us be shaped for who God has called us to be. And you'll have probably seen online over the last couple of days that our theme for 2022 is about being scattered. What does it mean for us as individual light bearers to be scattered amongst our world? Everyone, every day, everywhere, making a difference for the kingdom of God. Not hiding a light under a bowl. Light was not designed to be hidden. Light was designed to be shone. To be shone, sorry. And everywhere that light shines, it makes a difference. It has an influence on the world around them. And every single one of us, every day, everywhere, is called to be scattered with that light for the purposes of God. Acts chapter 8, go with me in your Bibles. We're going to read a couple of, past, uh, a couple of verses at the start of Acts 8, and it will be up on the screen in a moment. And for those of you unfamiliar, Acts chapter 8 comes immediately after a really difficult time in the history of the church. Because at the very end of Acts chapter 7, we read about Stephen, who was one of the leaders in the early church, who was martyred. He was killed for his faith. That he was unashamedly, when people came and questioned him and said, you shouldn't be like this, he said, no, this is the difference that God has made in my life. I'm going to live for this cause that I've given my life to. And he was killed for his faith. Stephen was one of the early volunteers in the church. In fact, if you read into it, he was essentially running the food bank program of the early church. Now, the good news is that we don't always martyr the people that run our food bank programs. Thank you, Suz and Pete. Um, but what had happened to Peter was a devastating moment. The first person who had ever been killed for their faith. And immediately after that, we pick up from Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and he put them in prison. Verse 4 Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So, something really hard is happening to the church in this season. Something they had never expected to happen, something that they'd maybe been hinted to, but now the reality had hit of, oh, it's not always easy to be a Christian. They're not always, will people like us? In fact, some people are going to persecute us. Some people are going to kill us. So something incredibly hard was happening to the church right now, but out of it came something amazing. Out of this persecution moment, after this, out of this scattering moment came a significant season for the church because those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now, earlier this year, if you were with us back in May and June, we were studying the early church in Acts chapter 2. And we did that whole series for like two months called This Is Us. And it tells us that in Acts chapter 2, the church had discovered their priorities. And they should still be our priorities today. In Acts chapter 2, you read from verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. There were priorities that the church discovered that we shouldn't lose sight of today. They should still be our priorities, our foundations as a church. And so we studied that a couple of months ago, that the church in Acts 2 discovered their priorities. Now, the next few chapters go on to tell us that the church grew in size and in strength in Jerusalem. 
that what they had started there in Jerusalem continued to expand. Something explosive was happening among them that many, many people in the city of Jerusalem were coming to know about the good news of Jesus Christ. The church was growing in size and in strength in Jerusalem, but the problem was it wasn't supposed to stop in the city. It wasn't supposed to remain just there. Because in Acts chapter 1, which we studied as a church back in January, Acts chapter 1, Jesus, in his final instructions to the church, after his death and resurrection, and just before his ascension to heaven, the final message that he gave to the church was in Acts 1 verse 8. It says it this way. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, tick. They'd done that. They'd had a great encounter with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the church. They spoke in other tongues. Peter preached. The church exploded in growth there in the city. And so they'd done that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Check. They were doing that really well. Because the church in Jerusalem was growing really strong now. And they're like, this is a move of God. This is a miracle. What is happening here? Many, many people in the city were coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But the final thing that Jesus said to them was, you will be my witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, but in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, <clears throat> this bit was yet to be fulfilled. They'd done several of those things. But this was a story still to be told. This was the next chapter that was coming to the church. The next chapter, if they were going to fulfill what Jesus had called them to be. That they weren't supposed to keep this to themselves. They weren't supposed to keep it even just in this incredibly influential location of Jerusalem. They were called to take it to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Acts chapter 1, the church discovered their power. In the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, the church discovers their priorities. But in Acts chapter 8, where we're reading now, the church really discovers their purpose. That they weren't called to just stay as they were. They were called to, to spread out. That what God was doing in Jerusalem was amazing, but it wasn't supposed to stay there. Now, some theologians would say uh, anywhere between four to six years between what we read about the early church in Acts chapter 2 and where we read about the scattering of the church in Acts chapter 8. So for four, five, possibly six years, they'd stayed in Jerusalem. They'd seen the expansion of what God was doing, but yet to fulfill that great commission that Jesus had placed upon them. And so the call for them was to spread, was to not, be, to not stay but to spread, to not be still but to be scattered, to take from this place what God had done in them and take it way beyond what anybody had seen done before. Now remember, this was coming out of persecution. They'd seen, the, they'd seen the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. So out of a difficult moment, they were, they were scattered originally for protection. But in scattering for protection, they discovered this fresh purpose. Perhaps the Holy Spirit reminded of, hey, didn't Jesus say something about not just Jerusalem? Didn't Jesus say something about Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth? And here we are. We found ourselves in Judea. We found ourselves in Samaria. And they discovered through a difficult moment the blessing that God wanted to place upon them. Because God works all things together for the good of those who love him, Romans 8 tells us. So even though we go through hard seasons, even though sometimes you and I will face stuff, it's like, God, where are you in the midst of this storm? Where are you in the midst of this difficulty? I didn't think it was going to pan out like this. If we can stay close to God, if we can keep tuned into the Holy Spirit, he can reveal to us his plans and purposes, even in the most difficult seasons, even in a lost season where we thought, how did I end up here? 
you can discover the fresh purposes of God even through persecution, even through problems. They discovered that God had a fresh purpose for them in this time. To see the gospel spread, not just to the city, but to the region, to the nation, and to the world around them. Because the scattered church was always the vision of Jesus. The scattered church was always what he had on his hearts. That's why he said to them in Matthew 28 about the Great Commission. That's why he said to them in Mark chapter 16, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. So Matthew 16, Matthew 28, here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, not just for Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The scattered church was the vision of Jesus. And you and I still have a part to play in that vision. You and I still have a part to play in that story, in seeing the kingdom of God advance to everyone, to every nation, to every community. The places where you and, I, you and I find ourselves on a daily basis, we still get to be part of God's kingdom plan for our worlds. Not called to blend in, not called to be hidden away under a bowl, but to put our light on a stand so that it gives light to everyone around us. So you and I are still called to be part of this great mission. And I want to talk to you about what it means to be this morning a part of a great mission of a scattered saint. That we're called to be scattered saints in our world. Now what is a saint? Traditions over the years, over the generations that have gone by, and particularly through the traditions over the generations of the Roman Catholic Church have led us to believe, sometimes mistakenly, that a saint is an extra special person. That a saint is, is the elite of the elite. The, the saint is kind of the set-apart, super-holy heroes of a forgotten generation. Let's build a statue about them. Let's name a church after them. But you and I could never attain to such, such lofty ideals as being a saint. And perhaps tradition over the generations has led us to believe that, but that's not the biblical understanding of a saint. That 67 times throughout the New Testament, 67 times the Bible refers to either the word saint or saints. And every time the Bible writes about saints, sometimes it's translated as believers, sometimes it's translated as um, holy people, sometimes it says those who are set apart. Every time the Bible references saints, it's talking about all believers. Those who have chosen to put their faith in Christ, it says, are set apart to be God's holy people, set apart to make a difference in our lives. So saints are not a special group of believers that you and I could never attain to. Saints are not people who are better than others. Scripture is clear that all Christians are saints. Now here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that this is an excuse for you to beef up your Facebook profile. The next time you're printing out some business cards, it's like, wow, okay, how can I take this up? My Instagram bio is going to go from strength to strength, like Saint Nina, the patron saint of driving instructors. Like, imagine reading that on the website, and they're like, well, I could go with this person, I could go with this one, or I could go with the patron saint of driving instructors. That, well, that's awesome. Or, or, or Saint Jez, the patron saint of brakes. Um, or uh, a paint, uh, Saint, Saint Peter Heslop, the patron saint of uh, Beards or Greggs, is perhaps a title. That's not how it works. That we are not called saints so that we can kind of lord ourselves over people and say, well, I'm better than you. And you walk in this week empowered by our prayers back into schools and you say, well, I'm not just a teacher. I'm a saint now. Don't call me miss. Call me saint. That's not how it works. But we are, the Bible says, all believers are 
saints. And saints are set apart for a kingdom purpose. That we're set apart to make a difference through our lives for the kingdom of God. That what God has done in us, the righteousness that we have received through Christ, was not meant to stay with us. It was meant to be scattered. The word scattered, when we read that in the New Testament, it's not about a weakness. It's not about, some, sometimes you think of scattering something that is, is spread out and it's weakened as it's spread and it, and it fades out. But actually when it talked here about the church being scattered in Acts chapter 8, it comes from a Greek word, diasprio, and it means to be dispersed for a cause. That we were spread, we were dispersed, we were scattered, but not just for no reason. We were scattered with a cause. So to be a scattered saint means that you and I are set apart to spread the purposes of God. That through what God has done in us, we have been set apart, we have been made righteous, we are a new creation in, in Christ, the New Testament tells us, and we have been set apart but to spread the purposes of God. That you and I, every single one of us, you are set apart to make a difference in your world. That God has placed that calling upon you by accepting Christ into your life. You have a new identity. Yes, I am a saint. I am alive in Christ. I was once dead in my sin, but now I've been set free. I've been forgiven. I have received the fullness of life. So you have received a new identity in Christ, but you've also received a new calling in Christ. That we're called not just to keep this to ourselves, but to take what God has done and make a difference in our world. So in your work, in your office, in your regiment, in your family, with your friends, in your university, in your army barracks, in your office, in your farm, in your factory, God has positioned you there with a purpose in mind, not to be hidden away, not to put your light under a bowl, but to let it shine. So there is a calling. There is a calling upon every saint to be scattered for a cause in their community. That's what God has entrusted to us. He has placed a calling not just on the elite, not just on someone with a microphone or someone with a platform. He has placed a calling upon every saint to be scattered for a cause in the community where you find yourself. For some of you, your community is, is hundreds of people. Some it's thousands. Some it's maybe just the four people that you sit in an office with every single day and the two people that are in your family. Maybe that's as big as your world is, but that God has placed you there with a purpose in mind. You've been scattered for a cause. You've been scattered, set apart to shine your light in that area. But the great news for us as scattered saints is that there's not a long list of qualifications that you need to attain this title. There isn't a list of requirements of if you've done this, once you've read the Bible six times from cover to cover, once you've attended every, every church service every week for a whole year and there wasn't a black man next to your name as if we're catching a register, if there wasn't a, it, that, once you've attained all these things, once you've got all of the answers, once you've attained to perfection, then you can make a difference for the kingdom of God. Well, that's, that's not what scripture tells us and it's not what it shows us. That actually to be a saint, to be somebody who makes a difference. You just need to be willing and you need to be available to be God's light in your world. You don't have to be as good as somebody else or compare yourself. Well, if I was more like that person, if that person joined my office, they would really make a difference for the kingdom of God. But I'm not like that person. If I could be like that one over there, then maybe I'd be, but actually God has called you to make a difference in your world. He has set you apart with a purpose in mind. There's not a list of qualifications that we have to have achieved. When we, when we study here in Acts 8, and we read about the early disciples being scattered, what we read there was that this wasn't 
the apostles. Because we can kind of try and excuse ourselves and say, well, it's all good for them. They were the ones who had been with Jesus. I haven't been with Jesus. They physically had seen him. They'd seen him doing miracles. But actually, it tells us there right at the start. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered. So the apostles, if we're going to call them the, the special, if we're going to call them the elite, this is not who Acts 8 is talking about. Because the apostles stayed where the church was founded there in Jerusalem. But when we read about in Acts 8 them being scattered and making a difference for the kingdom of God in every town, in every village, in every region, in different nations of the world, this wasn't the leaders of the church. This was the everyday members of the church. These were not trained preachers. These were not ordained ministers. At best, they were accidental missionaries who hadn't planned to be scattered, who hadn't they'd planned to just stay there in Jerusalem, but God had done something to stir up what he was doing there in the city so that they could be dispersed for a cause, so that they could be scattered with the kingdom of God in mind. These were the everyday people where it says they, they were scattered and preached the word wherever they am, wherever they went. Sometimes the word preached, sometimes it gives us a, a, another kind of break and say, oh, but they were preachers. But I'm not a preacher. If I, could, if I could just have Pastor Rich or Soph come into my workplace, I know God can make a difference. I know if, they, if Dan came in and just stood on a desk in the middle of my office and preached that message that he did last week about Josiah, then I know God can make a difference. But actually, they, they weren't preachers. A, a more accurate translation of that verse says that they shared the good news wherever they went. They didn't need a preacher. They didn't need a preaching gift. They didn't need a platform. They didn't need a title or a position. They just talked about Jesus wherever they went. They just couldn't help but share the difference that Jesus had made in their life. And remember, they're living in fear of persecution. So they got to this new place. They didn't know if this city was then going to persecute them, that once if they said, I'm a follower of Christ, that's it, I'm the next one to be killed. But they couldn't help it. They were so desperate to what was bubbling up inside of them that God has made such a difference in my life that I've got to tell you about it. I can't help but not hide my light under a bowl because God has changed my life. He's transformed me, and I want to tell you about it. I want to share with you the difference that Jesus has made in my life. This isn't just, yes, it's a personal faith, but I can't keep it to myself because it's, it's too good. It's too good not to share. It's too good not to share and bring about, therefore, the transformation. Because when they started to talk about Jesus, when everyone, every day, everywhere, started to tell about the difference that Jesus had made in their life, they saw the kingdom of God advance like they'd never seen before. Never in, in Scripture, had we seen the advancement of the gospel like we do in these verses. The expansion to every town, city in that region, beyond to the different nations. Some of them spread on foot. Some of them got in the boat and they went over to Cyprus. Some of them got from there, from there. The expansion that we saw of the kingdom of God in Scripture happened here like we'd never seen before. But for many of them, we don't even know their names a few get, get name-checked. We go, oh, I, I can read about them in the New Testament. Now we know about that person. Now we know about this person. But, but for many of them, they didn't get a significant title. They didn't get special recognition. There's not a saint statue of them up in some Roman Catholic church somewhere. For many of these great men and women of faith, we don't know about their details, but we do know about the difference that their lives made in their time 
in their community. They weren't looking for accolades. They weren't looking for somebody to make a statue about them. They didn't know that they wouldn't be included in Scripture that we're still reading 2,000 years later. But they were so desperate to tell somebody about the difference that Jesus had made in their life. And the great challenge for me is that 2,000 years later, Jesus is still looking for people like this. That in 2022, in, in Richmond, North Yorkshire, God is still looking for people who will be scattered with a purpose in mind. That God still looks for people who would be a scattered saint in every community. That God is still looking for saints in Richmondshire. God is still looking for saints in North Yorkshire. He's still, still looking for, for saints in, in Skeby. In Northallerton, he's still looking for saints in Darlington and Acliffe and, and Leyburn and the Dales. God is still looking for saints in nurseries, in schools, in colleges, in universities. God is still looking for saints in supermarkets and cafes and offices and hospitals and building sites and fields and factories. And wherever it is that he has placed you and I, he's still looking for people who will be available to tell others about Jesus. To make a difference through their life for the kingdom of God, not, be, not to be content to just keep it to ourselves, not to be content, well, well I'm, at a, I'm at an age and a stage now where yeah, I'll leave that to somebody else. I've had my time, I've made a difference, don't you know what I was doing in the 80s, don't you know what I was doing in the 70s, obviously I'm not talking about me, I'm only 25 years old. Um, but sometimes we add excuses in the way and say, well, it's, 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 it's for them now, it's for the younger ones, it's for this, it's for that. God is still looking for people that in your world, you can make a difference. Yes, somebody else might be called to, to reach a different generation. Yes, somebody else might be called to do this and that. But, but what about you? What about where God has placed you? You don't need to be known to be able to make a difference. You just need to, to know that you are positioned there with a purpose. You are positioned right now for a purpose. Sometimes we think, well, when I get to this area, when I get this title, when I move to that job, when I move to this office, right now, God has a purpose for you, that you are God's messenger. God's messenger to your neighbors is you. God's, God's missionary to your workplace, to your school, is you. Yeah, there might be others, but there is you. God's Minister of the gospel to, to your family, to your friends, is you. He has positioned you there with a purpose in mind. I read a book earlier um, this year in the summer holidays. We were away, and I was reading a book about uh, Winston Churchill, great British prime minister, and it's called The Churchill Factor. And it was talking about not just kind of a walk through history, but it was looking at specific moments in the life and the kind of political career and the personal life of Winston Churchill and saying, well, what, what was the Churchill factor? What was the difference that he made in that scenario? And many of us will know kind of significant things if you've studied World War II, you know about when he made this decision. But, but even before and even after that, certain policies he put in place or inventions that he came up with, he invented the tank. I didn't know that. But there were certain times where it says, okay, if you removed him, him from the picture, what difference would it have made if, if he wasn't there in that time? And so it was an interesting kind of study about different moments of history that if you take the, the, the famous uh, prime minister out of the picture, what, what happened? What would, what would history have looked like without one person's influence in, in those 
decisions. And so it's a fascinating kind of read, looking through these different parts of, of history and different moments of, of one man, take him out of the picture, and what difference does it make? And, and really quickly, I was hugely challenged not to start a political career, give up this pastor in Lark, and really get a platform where I can stand amongst thousands of people and raise up my face. No. But I was hugely challenged about what difference does my life make? For each of us, what difference? You take us out of the picture. What, what difference does it make if we're not in the scene? That's not Winston Churchill, I'm guessing, behind me. It's a picture of a curly-haired kid stood in the foyer of this building outside the um, auditorium doors, taking about 1998, when me and Gail were first going out, maybe first engaged. But, it, but in my family line, what difference would that make? You take me out of, the, out of the picture, or you take you out of the picture, you take Gail out of the picture, what difference does it, does it make? Now, not just with a, with a family, not just talking about kind of genetics, if you like, of what happened if I wasn't the man that Gail married, what would my children look like? Would they have had ginger hair? Would they have had that curly afro? Is that still to come? But, but what happens to your family picture? What happens to, you take a picture of you in your office, you take a picture of, of you in your army regiment, you take a picture of, of you in your family, and spiritually speaking now, not to do with genetics and hair color and whatever else, but take you out of the picture, what difference does it make for the kingdom of God? Are we really where we're positioned, shining our light? Are we waiting for somebody else to step into the gap? Are we waiting for, for somebody else to, to, to do what we think God wants to do? What would be different if you weren't in the picture? Because here's the thing. You're not called to be anybody else. You're not called to be like somebody else. So easily we fall into the comparison trap sometimes and say, well, if I was more like this person or, or try and pretend to be a bit more like that person at church, then I'll make a difference. You are uniquely gifted you are uniquely called and you are uniquely positioned to be God's light in your world. God's best example of a Christian in your world could be you. That we're called to make a difference where we are for the kingdom of God. To spread among our world the hope that we have found in Christ. Just raise your hand for me a moment, not just yet. Raise your hand if you can imagine anyone in your life, friend, family member, colleague, neighbor, if you know a single person who doesn't know what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus, if you know a single non-Christian in your life, just raise your hand for me a second. Now take a look around the room. Take a look at the mission field that we're part of. Take a look at the, the hundreds, if not thousands, that would be represented, not just by that person, but by the family that they are part of, by the office that they belong to, by the, uh, the street that they live on. Our mission field as a church is insurmountable, far greater than, than we could ever do. And maybe we can't do it in our own strength. Maybe you can't do it in your strength. I certainly can't do it in my strength. But we serve a God who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. That with his power at work within us, he can do something that you and I could never do in our own strength. Because we operate in the natural realm. And so there's certain things that we can do and some certain things that we can't do. But there is a supernatural God who places his power in us and said, if you'll just be ready, if you'll just be available, if you'll just put your light on a stand, then see the difference that I can make in your world. See the difference I can make in your community. God can do amazing things with somebody who is available 
and empowered to make a difference. That's what he needs. He doesn't need you to have a preaching gift. He doesn't need you to have a platform. He needs you to be available and to be empowered. And when we have this calling, we can see, I believe, a community transformed. We can see the 10,000 people that live in in Richmond, the 25,000 people in, in our surrounding areas. We can see a majority of those people come to faith in Christ because with God, all things are possible. And so when we believe, when we put our trust in him and we make ourselves available and empowered, who knows the difference that God can make through us? When we live with a vision, when we live with this vision, then it becomes possible to see a nation changed for Jesus. I can't win a nation for Jesus. You can't. We as a church can't. But every single believer in, our, in, our, in churches, not just in influence church, but every single believer in churches in the north of England, empowered to make a difference in their world, imagine what our nation would look like. Imagine what the north of England would look like if we were truly empowered to make a difference. And, and we do all of this because what God has done for us. I want to close with this scripture and we're going to worship again. It's 1 Peter chapter 2. And 1 Peter chapter 2 is, is two verses that some of you will be really familiar with, but I hope you can receive them with, with a, a fresh appreciation. I hope you can receive them with a fresh vision this morning. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's so much rich content in those verses that Peter reminds us to not just go about our daily business, to not just get consumed with, with the day-to-day, with the work and with the schedules and with the agendas and with the school runs and with everything else that, that takes part, it's part of our life. But he says, don't get consumed with these things. And he reminds us that because of Jesus, we are chosen. We are royal. We are set apart. We are holy. We are God's special possession. And not only is that who we are, but then he reminds us of our calling. He says, you are called to invite others into this amazing identity. And in verse 10, he reminds us why. Because once, once we were lost in darkness, once we didn't have hope in Christ, once we were not the people of God, he said, but now you are. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you and I, we were lost in darkness. Once we were separated from God through sin. Once we were living, but not living with a purpose in mind. Once we were trapped in the sin of all the things that we had done wrong, completely unable to be made righteous again. Once we were bound for a lost eternity without God, but he called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Out of darkness, into his wonderful light. And then let's take the words of Jesus. Therefore... In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. He reminds us that we've been called out of darkness and into light, and then we're called to do something with that light. To not keep it to ourselves, to not keep it hidden, but to put it on a stand so that everyone around us hears about the goodness of God. That as scattered saints... What are we going to do this week to shine? 
as a scattered saint this week in your family, in your business, in your workplace, in your regiment, in your classroom, as a scattered saint, what can you do this week to shine? Maybe in school it looks like uh, an act of kindness, something completely countercultural to others around of you, but you know about the goodness and kindness that was shown to you through Christ. So an act of kindness might, might shine this week. Maybe for others of you, you've been work this week. Somebody's banging on about something, complaining about something, instead of just saying, yeah, yeah, it's really hard. Oh, I'm really sorry about that. How about maybe this week some of you say, hey, I know this might be weird, but could I pray for you about that? That thing that you've been telling about, that, that difficult situation, would you mind if I prayed? Maybe we could pray right now. Maybe in a moment you could turn what was just a negative situation into an opportunity for the light of God to be shone. Maybe in your community this week with your friends your, or family, maybe it's about giving a testimony to a friend about the hope that you found in Christ. Say, do you know, I went through a, a difficult time once, and, and I'm actually right now I'm going through something, but do you know I found a, there's a security in my life, and it doesn't come from just money or possessions or relationships, that actually when I invited God into my life, it created this firm foundation in my life. I still go through stuff like everybody else, but there's a, there's a stability in my storm. And maybe just as you offer a bit of prayer, share a bit of testimony, who knows the difference that it could make in that person's life? That we're called to be scattered, but we're called to shine. To tell of this forgiveness, this freedom, this fullness of life that we found in Christ, it was never meant to be kept to ourselves. It's meant to be scattered. It's meant to be spread out because there is a calling upon every saint to be scattered for a purpose in your community. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's just close our eyes for a moment before we enter into a time of worship. And we're praying this morning, like I said, like the Apostle Paul, we're praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that God would give fresh vision to you this morning, that God's vision for you is not just to be part of a church that has a vision month. That's not, that would be a really limited vision that God has. Just belong to a church that has a vision, therefore you're fine. God wants to enlighten you with the vision that he has for you to make a difference in your world. And, and maybe for some of you, you know, we've been talking vision month for, for years and some of you have been saints for a lot longer than, than I have. And for some of you, maybe this morning, there's a sense of, I kind of know all this already. I've heard this before, been there, done that got the t-shirt. But when it comes to faith, it's not about what you know. Because some of you have been around churches and you've had vision, you've known the right scriptures. When it comes to faith, it's not about what you know. It's about what you're putting into practice right now. Not what you did in the past, not what you learned in a former decade, but it's about what is the difference that you're making now. James 2 tells us, verse 17, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith is an active word. We can have faith, but are we activating our faith? It's our prayer this month that God would give you fresh vision for right where you are. Fresh vision for your family, fresh vision for your workplace, fresh vision that wherever it is that you are scattered, that you're not just called there to be an employee, you're called to be a saint. You're called to be salt and light in your world. And maybe some of you need to reactivate that vision. You've drifted for a while and you've said, actually, I know that I've been going through the motions. I show up at church, but I need to make a difference where God has placed me. We're asking today that God would give fresh vision. So why don't we right now start to pray that? Why don't you say, God, would you give me fresh vision today?
God, would you give me, would you open up the eyes of my heart? Help me to not just see what's around me, but help me to see with eyes of faith who you want me to be. Come on, let's start to call out to God this morning. God, would you activate something in us? Would you give fresh vision for us this morning? Jesus, we thank you for all that you have done in us. We thank you that because of you, we are set free, that we are a chosen people, that we are your special possession, that we are alive in Christ, that we are a new creation, that we have a fresh identity in you. But God, help us now not just to live with an identity, but to live with a calling in mind. God, we want to know you more. We're asking, God, that you would stir up a fresh passion in us for the world around us, that when we walk tomorrow back into our workplace, when we walk this week back into that classroom, when we go this week, even this afternoon, back into that family, back into that neighborhood, back into that community, we're asking God that you would show us how can we be your light in our world. God, we don't want to keep this to ourselves. We're not called to maintain God. We're called to scatter. We're called to spread out your, your light, your love into the world around us. God, help us to be empowered. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and empower us, embolden us, give us a quick Give us strength. Give us anointing. Give us your favor to be your people in our world. God, we're longing to not be the same, to not be the same as we were before, but God, to be transformed through our relationship with you, to go out and bring transformation into our world. Come on, let's worship. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.